0: Listening to The Living Force. a Utini Podcast. Roger, roger. Episode 4, The Phantom Menace Anniversary Special. The negotiations were short. On this episode, Eric, Charles, and Corey look back at The Phantom Menace to celebrate its 20 year anniversary. There's always a bigger fish. Also, the Utini team test their trivia knowledge. My trick's gonna work on me. Only money. And we answer questions from you, our listeners. Yippee! And now here are your hosts, Eric Ellerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Dr. Corey Helton. Yeah, I know. I used to
1: be that way too. Um, I would do. I did paper comics all through college, and then even when I got out, I was getting like the trades and the paper bags and stuff. And I still have a few like giant hardcovers. But honestly, since I've been moving more, and now that I live in Chicago and don't really have closets and stuff, just purely for the storage, the digital is great. Because also, when I get a new issue, I can just. And immediately be the last couple pages of the most
2: recent one. Yeah, yeah. See, I just don't read enough comics to know how most people do it, but I think digitally is the right way. We need to figure out if there's a good way that we can like refer people to Comicsology or something like that. Yeah,
1: I don't know how that works. Um, I don't know. I think like a, a promo if we can do like a put in code utini on your first. I don't know. If yeah, that, that, that even would how be really cool. There's not. There's not
2: <laughs> an official like like affiliate program anymore. For them. There no, used to be, but there's not anymore. So I, can, they, I can. They have a affiliate- monopoly an on it now. Yeah, well, Amazon purchased them. Just... Yes. Yeah, I was gonna oh, yeah. say. I some signed in of with my them. Amazon account. Yeah, yeah. So I can send an affiliate link to Amazon, um, and it will like buy the book on Comixology. But I don't think most people are doing that. I think most people are doing the unlimited subscription things, right?
1: I think. I mean, so. How does that
2: How does that work, Eric? I mean, it's, do you?
1: Yeah, I, I've done them. I mean, they, there's there's Marvel Unlimited. There's also Comixology Unlimited, which are d- two different services. Ultimately, they're they're all based on delay because with the comic book industry the big pull of it is this week, this story came out and you want to be current so you can be in the conversation. So in that case, you're spending the $4 a week on the book or whatever it is. But if you just want the stories and you're more of a casual person, and you don't care about the comic book world itself that much, then you're going to do your Marvel Unlimited and your comiXology unlimited stuff. But like for me, I'm not even going to the official pages of the books each week. Comicsology on Wednesdays puts out what's new in a list and I'll just go down that list and like click buy instantly buy instantly and then it just immediately puts it in my app and charges my Amazon they make card. it so easy it's so it's simple but we like to live dangerously that's right and buy way too many things that we don't need
3: that's accurate
1: I think it's accurate but I think that makes life more fun that way doesn't it
0: does. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have
1: revenge. What makes life more fun than recording a new episode of the Living Force Podcast? Episode 4, A New Hope. Welcome. Those were all the words I wanted to say, just in a different order. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, the editor-in-chief at Utini, and I am joined today by two lovely doctors. Let me That's first right. welcome Dr. Corey Helton. How are you doing? I am
2: Fantastic, Eric. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you. I tried so hard.
3: <laughs> a man of many words, Corey. Is, oh, man.
2: All those years of school and
1: showing themselves off. And of course, we have the technically newest Dr. Charles Henkel. What's up, man? Yes.
3: How's it going? Feeling good. Had a big weekend. Um, I now consider myself more of an expert on all things wars as well. Good uh, No, just kidding. Just kidding. But I'm happy to be here.
1: Awesome, man. So, a serious congratulations to the two of you. Corey, we talked about your graduation from medical school on the last episode. Charles, walk us through your graduation. Did you also wear some Star Wars swag underneath your regalia?
3: No, no Ray t-shirt for me. I did wear one of my lightsabers underneath my robes on my belt. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. I wish I did that. (laughs) But I do have a a really um, interesting story. I think it's interesting that I – had the longest personal amount of time on the stage for graduation than anyone because... What? So you you like walk out on the stage, like they call your name, you walk out, they hood you and then you like walk down the line, shake some hands, go back to your seat. It's really, it's not supposed to take that long. But when (laughs) you're being hooded, there was a photographer taking pictures. Now, there were... I had, like, a joint graduation between my school and one of our, like, satellite campuses. So there were, like, 200 people that graduated. I happened to be the one getting hooded when the photographer's camera ran out of battery. And <laughs> oh I stood gosh, there for no. so long. Got so <laughs> long. I My family was taking a video, and I counted afterwards, and it was 40 seconds. But do you know how long oh that feels on stage? Yes. So.
1: I, 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 surprisingly, I do. Yeah, no, you would, you would,
3: but complete it's silence, terrible. Eric. Like it's complete terrible. silence. So I wish that, like, I wish that I had could say I dropped some awesome like Star Wars reference and yelled like I found your lack of battery disturbing or something like that. But yes. no, it was a full on Jar Jar moment. It was, <laughs> it was I, I, like, every bit as awkward Duel, as it sounds. Like Duel of
2: Fates, like just slowly starts playing in the
3: background.
1: And to be clear, this is a Jar Jar in the movie. Moment, not necessarily a Jar Jar in the novelization, who is a slightly different character, as we'll get to later in this episode. That's fair. Uh, Well, congratulations, man, both of you. Thank you. It's such a cool milestone, and now you can get back to your actual work, which is at (laughs) Utini. My week uh, did not have any medical graduations in it, but it did have an awesome Star Wars trivia night. Uh, That's better. I have yes, it 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 was awesome. I've heard about these bar trivia nights. For years, I've gone to general bar trivia with some friends before, but I've never gone to a specialized Star Wars one. And I gotta tell you guys, before I went to this, I felt so much pressure because we have a Star Wars podcast and we went for a yeah. Star Wars site. And my mind because like, I may or may not
3: have <laughs> messaged you and said you better freaking win. <laughs>
1: like, if I bombed, it would be shame on my on my family on my cow. On literally everything. <laughs> uh, but luckily, Dishonor to your family. <laughs> that would have been how I felt forever. But luckily, it went super well. Me and my team, basically me and my buddies who also came out to drink, tied for first place with this team called the Jedi Mind Chicks, who I found out later were the two co-hosts of the Force Toast podcast. Oh, nice. And Yeah, they were awesome. It, it, was, it was between us and them for pretty much the whole time, and... It ended in a tie at the final round. So the judge uh, moderator host said, alright, you two teams, come down to the front and we'll do a runoff. We went down and he asked us one question. He's like, this is the one. Here's the question. And in, only one of you will know this. And it was, who is the wife of Bale Organa? Which is...
2: Bria. Bria, yeah.
3: Bria. Bria. yes. Bria? Yeah.
1: So my boy Bale Organa Nice. Had my back.
3: It was the tiebreaker,
1: but naturally they knew it as well. So then we yeah. went to another question, and the guy was not a Star Wars fan. He's like, "Wow, okay." Um, Yoda's eyes and the puppet are based on what famous scientist? And what do we think that answer was? Albert Einstein. His eyes. Yoda's eyes. What I have scientist? No idea. Albert Einstein.
3: That's what I Einstein. said. Which Why I knew. His... Yeah. Why are his eyes
2: based on Albert Einstein? I've never heard
1: that. That's the design. Well. Funny enough, I had studied for this trivia, and that was one of the questions in the quiz I took that afternoon. So that Well, helped. his whole
3: face is actually based off the guy that sculpted the mask, right? I can't oh, remember Oh, I didn't even his. know that. Yeah, there's there's some really cool stuff, like behind-the-scenes stuff on DVDs that I've seen. I'd have to look his name up. But yeah, if you look at the guy who sculpted the mask next to the mask of Yoda, it's pretty reminiscent. It's kind of funny. That's really yeah. amazing. That's
1: kind of Why not yeah. shoot your shot, you know? But after that, there were other questions, because the, the guy was getting a little... Confused and flustered at this point because he expected the trivia to be over, but me and Force Toast were just going. Uh, he asked, "How many <laughs> members are on the Jedi Council?" Twelve. Twelve. And who? What was the name of the Geonosian leader in the Clone Wars?
3: Poggle oh, the Lesser. Man. Oh, Poggle yeah, the yeah.
1: Lesser. So, yeah. And at Poggle the Lesser was the point where the host said, "Okay, you both win. Yeah. You guys know everything." <laughs> <laughs> so we tied. It was great. We both got the first prize of, like, 50 bucks at the bar, which is super cool. And I just wanted to give another huge shout-out to Force Toast. I listened to some of their episodes after we went. Uh, you can find them on Twitter, at Force Toast Pod. Their names are Alice and Laura. Individually, Alice is at Slaya all day, which is <laughs> awesome. And Laura is at Shut Up Laura, which nice. is uh, great. Yeah, they, they, they drink. They talk about Star Wars. They know a ton, and they're so much fun. And I hope that we get to chat with them again in the future of this podcast. So Absolutely. that was my week. It was so much fun. Absolutely loved it. Fear leads
0: to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering.
1: So other than our personal lives being pretty sweet, Corey, give us our weekly Uteni update, which is pretty I, – I say it every week. It's massive. But this week is, I think, just yeah. massive on a, a whole nother scale.
2: Yeah, this week is is incredibly massive. I think we are about to release. Probably by the time the show releases, it will be like totally public. We're still working out the kinks right now, but um, this might be like the biggest project, like the most involved, time consuming, multi team member project we've ever done at UTD, which is getting the comics and graphic novels on the site. That sounds like not a big deal, but if you think about like every single comic book or graphic novel has a, like a whole row in like an Excel sheet, like you have a title, an author, the writer, the artist, the date it shows up on the timeline. Like there's all this technical information that we gather for all these and you have to like get the image and download it and format it correctly and make it ready for the internet. I'm having horrible
3: flashbacks, Corey. Stop.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's really, it time, it's really, really time consuming. And we had like probably, I don't know seven people five somewhere between five to seven people have been working on this for like two months or something like that and we have 728 entries on the website and they're beautiful
0: oh my gosh.
1: yeah yeah so- it's sorry not about so- that clapping there to our editor i'm sure that just maxed out some <laughs> stuff but i thought it deserved applause
2: Like them out all of them it's incredible, incredible project. I mean there's probably fifty to a hundred hours in that project easily at least. oh my God easily easily, easily. Yeah. yeah, easily collectively um, myself, I've had to like do all kinds of crazy changes to our timeline so hopefully by the time this is aired, you guys can go to com, go to the timeline you can see where all the comics and graphic novels fit in next to the novels um, and once we get the bookshelf out, which is coming soon, it's almost ready, almost ready. that's my next big project. Um, once that's out, you can go on and log what comics you own and what you've read and what you haven't read, and it's going to be awesome. So every single comic book has got its own page on com. We'll probably start reviewing those, too. We need to gather the information about who on our team is the big comic readers. That's right. Get some uh, get some stats out for those reviews and stuff, too, but super excited. We are, we are up to, I think, 1,100 total entries on the website, Woo. books, comics, graphic novels, and adult stuff, so... Still have lots to go. Still have children's books. We still have junior novels. We still have reference books. There's a lot of Star Wars guys. Give them a moment
1: for pity's sake. (laughs) But yeah, so huge, huge addition to the site, and we will, as always, keep you guys in the audience posted on everything we're doing. And last thing I want to do in our little news section here before we get into some content is a thank you to Randy from the Legends Library podcast. Randy is a fantastic podcast host over at Legends Library. If you haven't listen to them before definitely give them a listen they go through as it sounds a lot of legends titles and give a lot of great conversations and reviews over there but Randy sent us last week a really a really sweet beautiful message it was kind of welcoming us into the podcast community which has all already felt so warm and awesome but he just really really touched our hearts it was really sweet so i want to give Randy a shout out uh, thanks man it was thanks, Randy.
2: really
3: awesome you're awesome yeah
2: yeah, Randy has been a good friend of ours for a long time. We, uh, we've coordinated with him and done a couple of collaborations together. We were on his show several times several months ago. He was in our Slack channel for a long time. Randy's a great guy. Shout out to Randy. Go check out his podcast. It's very good. And yeah, listen to the nice thank you that he sent us. So sweet. As many of
1: you know, and as you and Corey and Charles know because it's in the outline, We are coming up on the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace this year. Like, almost to the day. Once this podcast is released, it's going to be a couple days before 20 years. Two decades of Phantom Menace we've had. And in a little bit, we're going to get into our personal experiences with that movie. But before we do, I wanted to highlight a prequel adventure that has to do with that a little bit that many of you may have already listened to, which is Dooku Jedi Lost by Kevin Scott, the audio drama. We've talked about that a couple times on this podcast before, but now that we've all finished it on this team, we're not going to go into any spoilers. We, I just wanted us to give our overall impressions of the project because a couple episodes ago, we gave our initial thoughts and some kind of ideas. But now that we're done, uh, Charles, I'll start with you. What was your overall thought about Dooku Jedi Lost?
3: I think for me, it accomplished two things one was making me care so much more about the character of dooku he is now one of the more interesting villains i think that we have in star wars with yeah some of the most backstory that we have of anyone really really only second to i would say anakin or darth vader himself so i mean that was wonderful and now when i see him on screen when i'm watching you know attack of the clones like i actually care a lot more and of course we got a lot with the Clone Wars. Uh, But it it added a lot to the actual film. And the second thing was just the entertainment value because that audio drama with all of those voice actors and all of the background music and the sound Mm -hmm. effects and everything, it was so much fun to listen to it's relatively short. Like I think it's like seven ish hours. Yeah. I
1: said it was nine. I think a couple episodes ago. That was Did you absolutely wrong? Yeah. It's
3: 300 and something
2: minutes, I believe, isn't it? Yeah.
3: Something Something like that. Yeah. It's a quick listen and it's wonderfully entertaining. It's almost hard to stop listening. So two thumbs up for me.
2: Yeah. Corey. Uh, Yeah. I'll second that. I loved it. It was very good. It was really cool to follow master and apprentice uh, with Duke and Jedi Yeah. They have similar characters has a very similar feel. And we got a lot of really great sort of new material. Like for example, most of the, uh, there's not a lot of books that deal with a lot of like young Jedi stuff. Like what's it like to be in the temple and grow up there. And we got a lot of like kind of cool, just friends joking around stuff. And that was awesome. I love that. Like kind of kids, like you always hear about the Jedi Knights and the adventures, but you don't get a lot of like what, what the kids are up to, man. It's, it's, it's cool. I liked it a lot. Um, it was very new and very different. The huge cast was awesome. I really liked hearing lots of familiar voices. Almost all of the major Star Wars narrators, I think, were were in there that do the audiobooks. So mm-hmm. it was really cool hearing their strengths and how they would tackle characters. It was great. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, if you have read Master and Apprentice, I would definitely immediately pick up Dooku Jedi Lost. I don't think this is one you'd want to miss. And yeah, Dooku is a cool character now. Like Just like we said with... Uh, with Master and Apprentice, like, I didn't really care about Qui-Gon before that book, and I didn't really care about Dooku, I don't think, very much before Dooku Jedi Lost, and now I do, so I liked it. It was, it was worth listening to. It's not like, I don't think I'd give it 10 out of 10. I mean, it's, it's like, story-wise, it, it's really good, but it's not, like, knock your socks off good. I think the format and how many voices and stuff there were in it definitely make up for any, any sort of lags in the story. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I'm going to back you guys up pretty 100%. I loved the kind of Harry Potter, Star Wars-esque stuff we got, which is something that Charles talks about in his full review, which is on the site right now. I loved the fact that we got some personality with Dooku. I feel like he can sometimes be a little two-dimensional evil, and Scott really did a great job writing him very well. As an actor, it was really fun to kind of hear a play. Kind of going through oh, yeah. Star Wars because I don't get that's that a lot. Cool. And if and it, and it, it made me feel like that's something I want to do now. So, hey, PRH, any anytime you need, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. <laughs> so definitely go check out our full thoughts on Utini about Dooku Jedi Lost. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our members about their thoughts about their favorite Star Wars book. And then we'll be back with our thoughts about The Phantom Menace. Be right back.
0: Thanks for listening to the Living Force Podcast. My name is Jared Mays, and I'm new to the team here at Utini. You can read my first piece for the site in which I compare Master and Apprentice with the Jude Watson Jedi Apprentice series from the early 2000s. But today I'm here to tell you about one of my favorite Star Wars books, and it's a book that I snoozed on at first. It's a book that I thought, well, is there really anything that I need to know about this character during this particular point in time? But I couldn't have been more wrong. The book is Kenobi by John Jackson Miller. It's a book that of course takes us to a familiar setting that we all love in Tatooine. It gives us a character that we already are so familiar with at a really difficult point in his life and it fleshes him out in incredible ways. Plus we get to learn so much more in such satisfying ways about the Tusken Raiders, the moisture farmers, and maybe even crate dragons, but I'll try not to spoil anything. It's a book that'll totally change the way you view Obi-Wan and... Episodes 3 and 4, at the very least. I especially want to recommend the audiobook read by Jonathan Davis, who really captures and McGregor's voice perfectly.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to our chat about The Phantom Menace here on The Living Force. So with the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace coming up, which is insane to think about, it's been two decades since we learned about The Phantom Menace, which is going to keep hitting me as the weeks go on, I wanted to talk a bit about our... First thoughts about The Phantom Menace, our thoughts about it since, and how it kind of attaches to the EU, and how, especially with things like Master and Apprentice and Dooku coming out, how does that affect our thoughts on The Phantom Menace? But to start out, let's go, Corey, it's 1999, you're in a movie theater, Phantom Menace just ended, how
2: are you feeling? I'm like a little kid, bro. <laughs> Dude, it's like same though, yeah. So let's see here, 93, I was born 93, 99. Was, it was May. It was May. I was, I was too young to appreciate. I was like four and a half, bro. Dang. Yeah, I was too young to appreciate Phantom Menace. I know a lot of people have really great stories associated with seeing Phantom Menace. I don't remember it at all, honestly. Like, I have mm-hmm. no great memory. My first real memory of seeing Star Wars is definitely Attack of the Clones. I saw that movie twice. It was the first movie I ever saw more than one time when I was a kid. And
1: Sure, yeah. Um, That's a big um, moment for a kid, too, when you realize you can do it again.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think I have some, I have images, like, of, I don't have, like, a, a life-changing story, but I remember the pod, I remember seeing the pod race scene mm-hmm. and being really cool, and I remember watching it on, on VHS, and mm-hmm. DVD and stuff, bunches of times, but that's, honestly, don't yeah. have a great story. <laughs> well, great story aside, do you remember, like, because I know you've
1: talked previously that you you thought Phantom Menace was always the most hated Star Wars episode, did you ever hold any kind of negative thoughts as a kid about it? Or did you think it was fun, or did it kind of not phase you a bunch?
2: I didn't love it when, when when Attack of the Clones came out. I remember I just rarely would pick up a Phantom Menace, even even then. I loved Attack of the Clones. I mean, it had that nostalgia feeling for me. I think as a kid, yeah. But I just didn't. I didn't go back and watch Phantom Menace over and over again the way that I did Attack of the Clones for whatever reason. Like I don't really know why.
3: I just didn't.
1: Totally. Charles, what about you? Do you have a better story than that? I'm, I'm
3: so <laughs> the opposite. So. I am so the opposite. I've said before, I used to like fly through my VHS of the original trilogy when I was a kid. And I remember distinctly my babysitter's husband coming over to the house and, and telling me that the Phantom Menace was a thing that was going to happen. And I lost my mind. I, have, you know, I, was, I w- had just turned six, I guess. I remember sitting in the theater with my dad. This is a really weird scene to remember, but I, I distinctly remember to this day, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon jumping out of the ventilation shaft and discovering the Trade Federation army when Obi-Wan makes that really bad joke. And he's just like, you were right, master. The negotiations were short. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, don't. You mean and, that
2: awesome joke?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
3: I know. Also but, realizing hearing you talk that I'm very bad at
2: math, and I was definitely not four. I was definitely <laughs> six. Okay. Well that's Dr. why Dr. Cory like helped a super him. long time after <laughs> I
3: was like, wait, how was Corey four? <laughs> um, oh, that's Yeah, bad. so that's that's something I remember distinctly, and I just I was so into it afterwards. Darth Maul I thought was the coolest dude. I had all of the action figures. I had the little ones where you had the comm link and you could scan the little plastic thing that came with them and it would say the lines, their lines from the yeah. movie. And I remember like Qui-Gon's being like, you know, feel, don't think, trust your instincts. Like I, if I hear those lines in the <laughs> movie, I hear it coming out of my little comlink. Like I was, That's I amazing. was all about it.
2: I love that.
3: That's what I about you, get for
2: growing, I you for growing up in the boonies of Appalachia. Like we didn't have <laughs> Star Wars toys. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. I'll kind of split the difference with you
1: guys on Phantom Menace. I don't, I also don't remember seeing it in the theaters. But I know I did because I know I had I had a Jar Jar beach towel. I yes. was I was
2: the Jar Jar kid. I
1: that's loved my favorite fact
3: about you. I think
2: <laughs>
1: that I had a Jar Jar beach
3: towel. Yes. Absolutely,
2: you're still the Jar Jar kid, Eric. Don't kid yourself,
3: <laughs> Misa.
2: Um, yeah.
1: I but I had I was a huge fan of that. And then more than that, I was a huge fan of the episode one Pod Racer video game. I had that yes. for my computer, and I just played that over and over and over and over. And I I remember I could name a lot of the pod racers, which has gone away now, but that was kind of how I got how I kept doing it. Like I, I had it on VHS, I had the junior novelization. I remember that cover very specifically, so I know I read that. So I know I was very much into it. I think Attack of the Clones, similarly, I was a little more into because it had more lightsabers and Yoda fl- flying around. I thought it was the coolest thing. But definitely a positive memory. And then I went through a phase. Where I was like, "Oh, it's not cool to like the Phantom Menace," and yeah, it's it does suck and all that stuff. Yeah, I went
2: through that unfortunately as well. Yeah,
1: I think everyone does. But now I feel like we're in such a resurgence with the 20th anniversary, and in the, in a social media age where we can't separate the projects from the people that made them. Like no, now, as an adult, I can I realize how much the toxicity about Phantom Menace led to George leaving Star Wars, led to Ahmed Best. Um, Having suicidal thoughts led to Jake Lloyd having such a hard life. And now, all these dark things have kind of caused the whole fandom, and us specifically, to completely look at the Phantom Medicine a whole new way. And now, when I watch it, it, it it's fun. I have a great time with it. And now, as we'll get into in a second, thinking about things like Dooku and Master and Apprentice and the novelization, which I just finished yesterday, nice. give me a whole new perspective on it. So... So on that note, was there any kind of EU material for either one of you guys that has really made your Phantom Menace life kind of explode, that has really said, you know what, now when I watch this, I can't not think about this moment
2: in the EU. I had my biggest example of that is probably what a lot of folks' example of that is, is the Darth Lagos book. Yeah. Um, Yep. So there are are several books surrounding the Phantom Menace. Uh, I, I just pulled up the timeline because I couldn't think of any of the other ones besides Plagueis. So, you know, there's a really great timeline on utme.com. <laughs> you can just go to and <laughs> check out see what's surrounding it. Yeah, and so we uh, we've renamed this era the Prophecy of the Force era. It's not official name in, in in Star Wars. I don't think Lucas had some. They call everything like before the Empire, like Rise of the Empire. And it's like a hundred year period. And it's way too long. and That's dumb. So we we called this the Prophecy of the Force era because this is like when they're trying to figure out what the prophecy about the chosen one is and stuff. Yeah. So we thought and, that was a great name, and we named
1: that before Master and Apprentice and Dooku came out. Yeah, which are did. now all about prophecies. So yeah, right. I'm not saying that we called our shot, but you could. Yeah, we yeah,
2: totally, totally did, and yeah. So it's cool. So we had, there's a few books here that surround the Phantom Menace. So this is like everything leading up to the Clone Wars. So, like, there's some, there's a few things that are more related to the Clone Wars that are in, in the Clone Wars era, but uh, the Prophecy of the Force era is specifically all the stuff surrounding the Phantom Menace. There's Cloak of Deception, a James Luceno book, there's a couple of Maul books, Darth Plagueis, there's Episode One novelization, Rogue Planet, and then Outbound Flight, which is, Outbound Flight is probably one of the more popular ones surrounding this era, but I can't remember what that book is about at all, and that's a Timothy Zahn book. Do you guys remember Outbound Flight? I haven't I read do. it.
3: I, yeah. I do. I do. I it's uh it pulls in some actually things from all over the place because you know zon likes to play a little bit in his own sandbox and use the characters that he's come up with so it pulls in like the outbound flight project has to do with uh master sabath from his original oh, trilogy dang. like he he plays a factor in all that so it's pretty wow, interesting that...
1: is that before he went crazy
3: yes Because yes. no,
1: that's a clone of his that went crazy right
3: uh, it's been a while now. I think you might be right. Yeah, he wasn't He wasn't totally cray-cray yet, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so, but, yeah. So, but out of all those, Corey, you say Plagueis is the one that really kind of sticks with you? And- yeah.
2: Yeah, Plagueis is fantastic. James Luceno is my favorite author, which is probably maybe a little bit controversial. I don't think a lot of people love Luceno the way I do. He's such a nitty-gritty, really technical, heavy writer. Like, you gotta be pretty into the Star Wars lore if you're gonna love, love James Luceno. He also wrote Catalyst and Plagueis and apparently, apparently Cloak of Deception. So maybe he he must like this era um, a lot. But yeah, Plagueis is great. It's about uh, Sidious's master and kind of his rise to power and is as much about Palpatine as it is about Plagueis. And yep. it sort of touches on maybe the idea of the Force like creating Anakin. It's like subtly mentioned. No one ever talks about it, but it's subtly mentioned in The Phantom Menace when Shmi Skywalker's like, there was no father. Like, like, a lot of people interpret that as, like, you know, some dad ran like dad ran out on her, I that's guess. What I thought
1: until, like, a year ago, honestly. Yeah,
2: yeah, right. I think a lot of people have that thought, and Plagueis addresses that, like, Plagueis was obsessed with chlorians and, like, creating life and making you be able to live forever, and he does this crazy dark side ritual thing that's such a manifestation of the dark side of the Force that, like, the light side of the universe, like responds by creating like life itself. So it kind of implies that that's Anakin being created. So
1: yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the Plagueis book. It only because I I love my like more emotional stories that are a little quicker reads. And Plagueis is definitely an effort and it is a phenomenal piece of work. And, but I will agree with you despite the fact that it's not my absolute favorite in that it makes Phantom Menace a much bigger deal. Because yeah. from the moment we see Palpatine, we're like, this dude just murdered his master. And you know it in every scene. And every smile has that murderous glint behind it. And now knowing kind of how big his plans were and how much he was manipulating literally everything that was happening. Yeah. It, it kind of ca- cast this whole shadow over this entire movie. And as I was reading the novelization this week, which is by Terry Brooks, if you haven't read it the guy who did the Sword of Shannara books, it's, it is a fantastic novelization. It is. Uh, our, one of our team members, uh, Rick, is going to put up his review of it later this week in honor of the anniversary. And we were chatting, and he thinks uh, relatively the same way, that it, it really takes the story of The Phantom Menace and expands it beyond a script that maybe needed a few more passes to be truly impactful because the story itself written in that novel has a lot of weight. It, it 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 really doesn't shy away from the loss and the the tension between the planets and the fact that this is the last thing that happens in peace. Like war is is gonna happen and everything in the Phantom Menace is all about trying to avoid the war at all costs. And the whole time Palpatine knows it's coming and he knows it's all working out. And now that I watch that movie, you can see it in McDermott's performance that he's so in control and he's so creepily calm about it meanwhile people like padme and qui-gon and obi-wan are all trying to fight this this wave of war that is just an unstoppable wave and it's awesome and also the pod race is still badass
2: so
3: yes you
2: you can't deny that
3: (laughs) the thing that i think is interesting because i'm actually working through the novelization too and this is my first time reading it I'm about. I've never read the novelization. It's it's really enjoyable so far. I I would echo what Eric said from what I've read. I'm about 200 pages in. It is almost more of an expanded edition than say like T- the TLJ expanded edition was because that one was only deleted scenes added in. And the Phantom Menace it has all of the deleted scenes like it has the whole extended podrace and all of that. But it actually has more than that. So you get even more of the story than you could ever get from. You know the DVD with all of the all of the extra content and everything added in. Yeah,
1: like the first chapter of the novelization is with Anakin on Tatooine about the pod race, the last pod race that he does before wow. they even get to Tatooine, yeah. and it shows Saboba wrecking his pod. And it goes kind of it like tells sto- the whole
3: story behind a line in the movie when he's like, "I I would have wow, finished if Saboba hadn't flashed me with his port engine or whatever he says." Like, yeah, it's a whole scene.
1: You get that whole scene, and, and you know how in uh, The Revenge of the Sith novelization, which, as a reminder, is one of our five foundational books of all Star Wars books and is a gem that must be cherished, Matthew Stover does a lot of description of Anakin's power, and he really does a great job about saying, this is Anakin Skywalker, he's going to succeed because he knows he will, and things like that. Terry Brooks takes that, um, I mean, obviously he wrote this before that, But that is echoed in the Phantom Menace a little bit, too. It's pretty great because he kind of takes you within the mind of nine-year-old Anakin as he's becoming powerful. And as he's he's seeing things before they happen, like Qui-Gon says, and instead of just taking Liam Neeson's word for it, I really like how it gets us inside the mind of the Jake Lloyd Anakin. So now, next time I watch it, now that I've finished it, I'm going to see those little glints of, of power and excitement within little Anakin.
3: Yeah, and Jake Lloyd did a great job. Like He was oh, yeah. however old. He was like eight years old. He did a great job with it when he was actually you know, acting out what he had to for the film. But there is a lot more characterization in this novel of him. You do get to crawl inside his head, just like you're saying, Eric. And there are important scenes that I think got cut that do really help that character out a lot. I think one of the most important scenes that was actually cut but is a deleted scene is when – in the novelization doesn't name the Rodian as Greedo, but the deleted scene does on the DVD when Anakin fights Greedo. Yeah. uh, When Greedo accuses him of cheating in the Padres. I think that is so important to his character because you see Anakin presented as like this angelic kid who just loves his mom so much. And he's so generous and he's, he's going to buy a or fix up a cooling unit for Jira. You know, the old lady who runs a fruit shop but then you do see that flash of darkness and anger and that it's already in him as a kid. And unfortunately, that's what what gets watered by Sidious over the years. And that's how he becomes who he becomes.
1: Yeah. And to add on to your point, one thing I really love that novelization does, one thing that, that I love that it does is it expands the initial Anakin-Padme relationship a lot as well. Mm-hmm. It really takes takes time to describe... Their importance to each other, and yes, Anakin, you know he it has the Are you an angel? He's immediately smitten with her, obviously, but then you get the moments of he can't stop thinking about her, and he's kind of confused about it because it's like that first crush, that first love when you're a kid. And Padme definitely spends a lot more time with him, and and she's saying, Yeah, I was thinking about you too. And it it is her caring for this kid, and when you're like fourteen and nine, there's not an implied romantic thing from her side necessarily. You know, you could get a little bit of, oh, I'm going to marry you too someday, Anakin. Could be weird since we know they get married. But then you think about it and it's a babysitter and a kid from five years ago being like, you're afraid and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to defend you. And it's kind of a beautiful addition to what they have in the film. In addition to Padme's strength that is also found a lot more in the novel. I think it's a great book for Padme.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. we had a brief conversation about that in our Slack. In our Slack channel this week that like it's not creepy at all. Like it's it's like like you ever do you have any of those friends that their parents talk about how they were like in the crib together and stuff. Like they mm-hmm. grew up and then they fell in love when they were teenagers and they were high school sweethearts and they got married. Like that's not creepy. And it's not no. meant to be that way and it done it's it sounds like it's you guys posted some pages from that that mm-hmm. some of those scenes and stuff in our Slack channel. And it, it looks like it's done really well and um it sort of legitimizes the fact that like there's there's very early scenes in Attack of the Clones when Padme's like like kind of blows him off a little bit. Yeah, like, like you've grown
1: up before that. Yeah, happens. <laughs> right,
2: right. It's it's clear that she's not thought about it in a romantic sense at all. At that, no, point. like she's so focused on her work. And Queen Shadow has done like it did numbers for like establishing how serious she is about being a senator and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And
1: yeah, I really love that. And so, Corey, since you brought it up, I want to I want to pivot a little bit to things like Queen Shadow and things like. Master and Apprentice, things like Dooku Jedi Lost, all of which have come out in the last year, which is the year that we're getting the final Star Wars saga movie. We got three projects that all kind of surround the prequels specifically around Phantom Menace. And like directly after that, I suppose, with it, with Shadow. Why do you guys think we're, we're doing that? Do you think it was a conscious thought about the 20th anniversary of Phantom Menace? Or do you think th- that they're just finding there's so much room to play around there?
2: i don't, I mean, I think it may be a little bit conscious, but if they were, if they, I think if they were serious about the whole 20th anniversary, I think that they would have, I think they would have marketed it that way. Like, I sure. think all the, books, all the books would have like a, a, you know, 20th century anniversary thing on the cover, like the Journey series does. Good like, point. Like, you know, they have it, it's printed on the cover, so maybe missed opportunity a little bit? Um, yeah,
1: like, I'm surprised we didn't get even a, a re-release with a special commemorative cover of the no. novelization. Yeah. You know?
3: yeah. Maybe does not like even Air to the Empire have one of those. Yeah. 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 Maybe they are
2: afraid of the negative press about the Phantom Menace. Still, after all these years, because people hate on it still on the internet. So yeah. I, maybe I, I that's think true.
3: I think the fact of the matter is that it's too good of material to just leave sitting there. Like, regardless of how you feel about. How the movies were edited or the acting performances or any of that. It is, there's so much great content. Like, look at what was just in the Phantom Menace. You have the rebirth of the Sith. You have one of the coolest Sith that we got in Darth Maul. You have the Jedi arguably in their prime. You have pod racing. I mean, there's so many cool things. Like, if you took the Phantom Menace away from the saga and you said, okay, we actually started the prequels with Attack of the Clones, you would miss a lot more than I think people realize.
1: That's true. There there have been times when I I do a rewatch every year of the whole saga at least once. And I don't know if you guys ever saw this. They did a thing called the Phantom Edit a while back ago where they put Mm -hmm. all three prequels into one two and a half hour movie or so. And all they kept from Phantom Menace was the Darth Maul fight. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that's how they started. And that's kind of like a a remembrance that Obi-Wan has to start off the whole thing. And at first I was like, oh, this is great. But now that I've watched it more, to your point, Charles, about all of the EU stuff, I think you're totally right. I mean, we get introduced to the Jedi flipping Council.
2: Yeah, um, I was gonna, I was gonna say that, like, the actual content of the film maybe is not as I think significant for the grand, the grand scheme of things. I mean, you have Darth Vader as a kid. You have all uh-huh. these characters from their children. I'd say what the books really do a great job of highlighting, the movie sort of fails to highlight. I think a great deal is like the failure of the Jedi, which we've talked about a lot in yeah. the last couple of episodes with the master and apprentice and the attack of the clones makes, makes it seem like the Jedi were kind of blindsided by like, maybe actually, maybe that's the opposite. Like attack of the clones make it seem like the Jedi were not blindsided by attack of the clones, mm-hmm. but, but like by the creation of the army and the huge war that they're suddenly in, but they totally were. And like, they were totally blindsided about it because of how arrogant they become and all the yeah. failures and, in. in like, sort of integration in galactic politics that they've been doing and stuff, and, like, the books have done a great job of really highlighting all that stuff and, like, how the Jedi's rise to power is, uh, you know, or the Sith's rise to power is because of the failure of the Jedi, so. Absolutely.
1: And, basically, to put a nice pin in this, because, as you all have heard, huge Phantom Menace fans now, from childhood to now, I think that there's been so much content around the Phantom Menace that has expanded it. If you want more Phantom Menace content, if you want to kind of see more of... (laughs) why we love it so much now we put together a collection over at utini all about the phantom menace a book collection that will give you the books and stories that you need to kind of expand your love of the prequel era
0: hi this is timothy zahn author
2: of star wars Thrawn. you're listening to living force podcast
1: i want us to move on to an audience question we have talked about them for weeks we've always run out of time but we are going to answer one uh, as you said you can throw these to us at our discord at our Twitter, at LivingForcePod, at our email, LivingForcePod at UTD.com. So this week's question comes from Suolo on Discord, and he asks us, which five Legends books would we elevate to canon status? We're in the Lucasfilm Story group. We say, hey, we're not going to write new books. We can just take this, get rid of the Legends banner.
2: What are we doing? This is exciting. People talk about this too much <laughs> yes agreed <laughs> they talk about it too much um it,
1: i think it won't think, happen let's let's say that to start this this will not happen
2: no it's not ever going to happen unless they take characters i mean there, no one is ever going to say let's just rip the legends tag yeah. off of a book that's never going to happen stop dreaming for it less i don't we don't need that no, we don't need it like, do legends, they, is, yeah, legends is great the way it is it's yep. fine let them pull content from legends you know that's our formal <laughs> i think opinion of that at utini
1: Thrawn um, was the perfect way to do it. We didn't just make *Heir to the Empire* canon. They took the right. character, made a brand new novel, which is still a great book, yeah. and adapted to the new canon. So I definitely think that's possible. So all yeah, that being totally. said,
2: let's talk about. I think there are like criteria for this. Can okay. we like establish some criteria that would make sense to kind of like to just pick the books rather than just naming titles yeah. outright? So
1: let's say it can't be something that's already been contradicted. So let's stay out of anything that has like the Solo Twins anything like that like that did not happen things that
2: either At least in canon
1: in canon yeah so things that don't affect the current canon so let's take the, take those out of the running okay um let's take out any any books that are like in the middle of a series so anything mm-hmm. that requires additional content necessarily so let's try to stick to some solo titles if we
2: can yeah i think it has to i has to add to the main saga i think it does like, Yeah. I mean, Star Wars is as much a a, a saga of Skywalker-related stuff. Right. Like, I mean, the the tale of the rise of the Sith, the destruction of the Jedi, and Luke being the last one left, I think it kind of has to fit into that right. a little bit. So, like, I mean, <clears throat> I think that would... uh I'm trying to think what that would even really eliminate.
1: I mean, my... Uh, based on just those two, there's one title screaming in the back of my mind, which I think you'll both unanimously agree with, is Kenobi. The John oh, Jackson Miller yeah. yep. book. I yes. think that's, yep. Yep. Yeah. that's a go-to answer for these. If you haven't read it, it's one of our foundational books. It is a tremendous space western starring Obi-Wan Kenobi in his time between Avengers of the Sith and New Hope. Mm-hmm. It is It is what a lot of people have been kind of clamoring for to be the basis for the Kenobi movie or series that we want. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't contradict anything in canon as of right now. It's connected enough to the saga, yet... Separate from any other major characters, it has mm-hmm. a bunch of new characters that could be a lot of fun. That has the backing of Tatooine and of Obi Wan, so I think yeah. that is a no brainer. I would. Would you guys agree? Are, are you Absolutely, voting that in?
3: it was the yeah, number 100%. one thing on my mind. All right, yeah,
2: I would totally say it. Kenobi fits in perfectly,
1: and so. it tells it tells his story. You know, least, so that's uh, number one, Kenobi. Definitely. What else? We, what else are we thinking?
2: <clears throat> I was gonna say merge the Bane trilogy into one. And we'll say it's one book, but merge it into the story of Bane. You know, yeah, merge it into one one entry in our um, five. Darth Bane established the rule too, mm-hmm. which is why Sidious became as powerful as he as he was. So it meets my criteria of fitting into the the, the grand scale.
1: Yeah, bit. and he's been mentioned in canon already as existing, and we we got that little Bane ghost thing in Clone Wars. So we
2: delete it. Just- was was that? Was that still there or was that a deleted no, scene? No, it's
1: it's in. It's in uh, the delete. Oh, I'm thinking,
2: a, I'm thinking of Revan. Revan. Yeah,
1: yeah, God, I'm they almost Revan. about Revan in the Clone Wars. They can't Yeah. Oh my god. Don't
2: bring Revan to Canon. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's controversial as, as hell, I'm sure. But yeah. I don't think they should bring Revan to Canon because he doesn't add anything to the main story. He's a cool character, but I don't think that I don't think that his story is important for the grand scheme of things. I don't think
1: it is. Man, it's got a little warmer in here with that hot take. <laughs> <laughs> All right, KOTOR so,
2: is amazing. <laughs> yes, though. let's, let's right. clarify that. Revan's story is really great. <laughs> Some of the books that were surrounding the old Republic MMO game, I would argue, hurt his character a great deal because it got so convoluted. But sure, yeah, I don't, I don't think he. Did.
1: But Bane, we can agree on for sure. I, I read the Bane trilogy for the first time this year. Some of the force powers alone, in, in that are so objectively terrifying that i think they'd make they'd add to his legend so all right bane congratulations you did it you're in the UTD canon Mm -hmm. so we got kenobi we got bane
3: i think we also we have already touched on it so we don't have to spend too much time on it but i think dark darth plagueis would fit in really well it does what Corey you're saying it needs to where you you learn a lot more about sidious and his rise to power i mean play the story of plagueis is literally told in the film so it fits in really well the way it was written, it doesn't contradict anything that we know, so I think we could get that story in there as well.
2: I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I'm looking through our timeline here. Almost all of it, a lot of the stuff that takes place after the films, I mean, you can't really even consider because it's it's got so much contradicting story in it. I mean, that's that's really the big break in. I think canon and legends is is after Return of the Jedi because it like yeah literally splits off entirely. So yeah. Um, have you guys read the other books surrounding Revenge of the Sith? Like that are unofficially named as the Dark Lord trilogy. Oh, the yes. uh, Labyrinth
1: of Evil and the Dark what is that? It's not um, my bookshelf. Dark Lord dark, Rise of Darth Vader.
2: Yeah, Dark Lord. Have you guys read those? Yeah, i
3: They're both too. fantastic. Yeah. Ooh, they are I really fantastic. enjoy those.
2: Yes, Dark Lord and um what's the other one? Labyrinth of Evil are both by my boy James <laughs> Luceno. Yep. That's so. right. Um, all right. Well,
1: Charles. Well, so Corey. Sorry, have you read them?
2: Yes, I have read okay. them both. I, I, and I, I didn't know. I think are they called the Dark
3: Lord trilogy? Is that yeah. real?
2: Or is there's that one? There's yes. one
3: book that's sold. I think with all of them in it, isn't there?
1: Yeah, those two and Revenge of the Sith novelization are are right. can right. be bought as the Dark Lord trilogy.
3: I I don't know what that book even looks like. It's not
2: in our database. Apparently, we should fix that. But yeah, huh. would you two yeah. elevate
1: those? Well, let's say let's actually combine the three. Would you Would you elevate the Dark Lord trilogy
2: to canon. I I think that's worth doing. Um, It it establishes... Labyrinth of Evil, I think, is less important. It's kind of about Anakin. I mean, he's got Anakin and Grievous on the cover. I mean, it's it's Clone Wars stuff, which is Mm -hmm. fine to add to canon. Um, But I think uh, Rise of Darth Vader is probably worth considering because it goes into what Vader is up to right after he becomes Vader and adjusting to the suit. Like, that was my favorite stuff about that. He talks about... He talks about how, I, I, this has been a long time since I've read this, but I still remember it. Like, he talks about how much it sucks to be in the suit, mm-hmm. and how, like, he's constantly in pain and suffers yeah. through it, and it, like, it, it gives him dark side power, because he's always in pain and suffering because of the stupid thing, and, like, like, even going into, like, gripping his lightsaber, like, feels wrong, and he's too tall, his boots aren't right, like... And he he has to completely change how he fights. I mean, Darth Vader and Anakin do not fight at all the same with the no. lightsaber. There's completely different styles, and that's because of the suit, and that does a great job of doing that one. So um, I think I think if, if none of the other ones, at least at least Dark Lord probably.
1: And it sounds like it would complement the recent Darth Vader comic book series that Charles Soule did a lot, which takes oh, place yeah. right after he gets the suit. Like, literally the first panel of that series is him after he finds out Padme is dead. Mm-hmm. So... Excellent. So we got Kenobi, we got Bane, we got the Dark Lord trilogy. I I have one that I recently just read that it doesn't affect the saga a lot, so it's not really hitting our our criteria. But I just read Honor Among Thieves, which is the last Hmm. Legends book. And I want to elevate that to canon. First of all, it's it's a tremendously well-written book. It's by the guys that wrote the Expanse books. So if you want some good, fun, well-paced sci-fi, it's right there. I want to elevate it purely because of the character Scarlet Hark. She's new in that book. She's only in that one book and a short story that inspired the book, I believe. And she's so flippant fun.
2: That's she, another one of those Re- uh, Legends books that I have not
3: read. Have both of you guys read that? I have not read this one.
2: I haven't. Yeah, okay. I so, did. I know Rick and seen it. Give us a short synopsis. What is that book about?
1: Uh, right after New Hope, Han is going to go. He's going to spend his reward. Leia says, Hey. I need you to do one more thing for us. Go get this spy that we've sent uh, to do some undercover work. She needs it out. And if you do it, we'll like, pay you oh. a bunch of money.
2: So That's cool. It's, I mean, it, sounds like, it sounds like Scoundrels, except it sounds like it's related to the film.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. So it's really fun in that way because they write Han. They write New Hope Han
2: perfectly.
1: Like, really? They've got that swagger. And Scarlet Hark is, I mean, she's not Leia, but she is, she's definitely still witty. She's snappy. She's got this amazing amount of agency, and she's just a ton of fun to read. So he gets her. He says, we got to go. She says, i got to finish this mission so you can just you know, come along for the ride, fly boy, essentially. And it's a lot of fun to see a little more flirtation with Han and Leia specifically because she's like, am I getting jealous of Han and this other woman? That's dumb and leads into Empire a little bit. So it's a connective tissue between four and five. That's really excellent. So that's Honor Among Thieves, I'm throwing that up there.
2: Yeah. Well, those are our five books that we've added to canon. There you go. Right. That's five, isn't that, it?
1: That's four, technically. Right.
2: Is it four? It no, was, okay. So we said because no, we said that's no, as well. Oh, we Plagueis, okay. Plagueis. So we have. Te- technically, we
3: just added like we added like seven because one of them yeah, was it's trilogy. So it's it's Bane.
2: Yep. Um, Kenobi.
3: Kenobi. Plagueis. Uh, Dark, the Dark Lord, Lord Trilogy, Trilogy,
2: and Honor Armored Monkeys. Those are there's five. So on, on our on our website, guys, uh, we didn't mention this in Uteni News. This is kind of new. We've added all the podcast stuff to the site. So go to com. You can find the podcast. We have show notes about every single episode where we link all the books that we talk about. So if you want a quick way just to grab the books that we talk about, if you want to get them as we're literally talking about them on the show, go to com. find the episode, and find the show notes. And there's links to directly purchase those off of Amazon. It helps us out when you do that. We get a little kickback. I think we get like four percent. It's super low, but we get a we get a small amount uh, back in that. That helps pay for the site, pay for the podcast, pay for our, um, all the fun we have. So please go do that if you're going to buy Star Wars books and you love us. Give us four percent. That'd be amazing. That's <laughs> And we did give
3: us four <laughs> percent. And we did just post the Phantom Menace collection as well. So all of the stories that are related to the movie from the novelization to all the other things we talked about, Outbound Flight, Rogue Planet, all those things. We have a whole collection. You can go to that page and find them there if you're interested in checking some more out.
1: And if yeah. you think we were totally wrong about any of our Legends books or you have some that we missed to elevate, tweet at us. Tell us why. Send us an email. Tell us why. We'll read some responses on the show if we get them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Fran Solo, for that question. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, I would love to really try to make these priority with doing these fan questions like this. Um, especially if we get like audio clips. If you yeah. want to be featured on the show, I guarantee you, if you send us an audio clip, we will be way more likely to choose that over uh, just someone that writes out a question. Record yourself asking something interesting, we'll play it on the show and, and answer it. So, exactly. Um, please do that and either email it to us, tag us on Twitter, or put it in Discord. <laughs>
1: And guys, I think that'll do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. Uh, As always, do not forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't, wherever you get your podcasts, and tune in every week to hear the crew at UTini talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Please, please leave us a review. Five stars would be amazing. To help people find us, it really does help. And head over to utini.com for reviews, articles, and comprehensive book profiles on every single story in the Star Wars galaxy. As we said, if you want your thoughts on this show, Email us at livingforcepod at utini.com with either text or an audio clip. Tweet at us at livingforcepod or join our utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord. You can find us personally on Twitter. I am at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at MD. Charles is at C. Henkel. A special thank you as always goes out to Matt Davenport and Freddie C., our amazing editors, and Wes, our community manager, Dr. Corey, Dr. Charles. Thank you for being here. Thanks to all of you for listening, and of course, may the Force be with you.
0: There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion.